program is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views expressed are those of the panelists and not necessarily those of Sengents, Glamour Connection, Van Garrett Media, their respective management, contractors, or employees. This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media. Welcome to the Share Your Hotness podcast. Share your hotness. Now, here's your host, Lita Green. Hello, and welcome to Share Your Hotness podcast with your host, Lita Green, and my guest, Lindsay Freaking Ellers. Now, when you guys are like, what? Is her middle name Freaking? But, um... (laughs) When we came up on the Zoom, because we record this so we can see our, our delightful selves, her name was Lindsay Freakin' Eller. So tell them the story of how that happened. So I, I just, it's an inside joke between friends. Um, it was something that we did just to be silly. And now I keep forgetting to change my Zoom name. <laughs> and so that's how it pops up. And uh, yeah, it's I'm best. saying own it. Own it. <laughs> It's fun. It's fun. And as I mentioned, when people started calling me hotness, I wasn't like, no, stop. I'm not hotness. I was like, well, when you're hot, you're hot. And it actually started as a joke because, um, you know, I would I would like kind of poof out my tummy and kind of put my chin in an unflattering way. I mean, excuse me, sexy curves way. And it would be like, you know, we're all beautiful. It's just how we present ourselves. So if I suck in a little bit and put my chin out and put a smile on my face. I look completely different than when I contort my body. And Mm -hmm. it was, you know, as a makeup artist, I'm trying to help people realize that I'm not fixing them. They already are beautiful. It's just how we think about ourselves. And I'd be like, you're so hot. We're hot. And I make women say it. And so eventually they started calling me hotness. And I was like, and queen of hotness. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) <laughs> That's awesome. so i i say own it and if 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 uh you know Lindsay freaking ellers doesn't totally connect then find the word that does i mean <laughs> if i were 18 i'd be changing my name to lita hotness green <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's so great i love it i love that yeah so if i ever want to go down to the uh you know where you get your social security and all that and mm-hmm. change your name and pay whatever money like I did when I got married. Yeah, I might do that. Who knows? Who knows? The Who world, knows? you can do whatever you want as long as you don't hurt other people, right? There you go. There you go. So That's we awesome. recently connected. You are on a uh, adventure coming up where you're <laughs> going to be going to California, San Diego area and enrolling in, tell me what that program is again so I don't mess it up. You're great. Um, so I'm already enrolled in, it's a doctor of Chinese medicine and acupuncture program. Um, it's like, I hadn't been aware of exactly what that process was like or what that program was like until I started getting a little more, you know, like actually being in the program and meeting people who are Chinese medicine doctors and acupuncturists. So there's a difference between somebody who's had like a hundred hours of you know, dry needling or some kind of like training with needles where they can say they do acupuncture versus like a doctor of acupuncture is actually somebody who spent thousands of hours. We're learning how it's a little gruesome, but we're learning how to put needles 
through people's body parts, like through people's hands, through people's feet. Like it's not just a little tap into the skin. It's actually a form of almost like surgery. And um, it is considered like a doctor of Chinese medicine and acupuncture in California. They are considered a primary care practitioner, but you can use them as your primary form of care. Um, and the, I mean, the results that I've experienced and that I've seen with other people as well, they do, they speak for themselves. And a lot of times you can get, um, very miraculous things. You know, if you're going to the right practitioner, you're, you know, you're getting your help, um, at the times that you're needing to, I don't think that any, um, scenario is like any medical scenario is just exclusively meant to be only, you know, Eastern medicine or only Western medicine. I think we do best when we're integrated, when we walk on both feet, so to speak. Um, but I think a lot of times, especially if we're doing our preventative, our prophylactic care um, in a way that works really well for our bodies, minds, spirits, and beyond, um, we, can, we can get some outstanding results and, and not have to use as much acute care with westernized medicine or, or whatever. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. It's good stuff. It's been, it's been an amazing journey and it's definitely something that I felt like I've been led to my whole life. So it's cool to get to that pinnacle and like, okay, here it is. And the obstacles that are coming through at the time, you know, and, <laughs> but it, it's, it's all working out. Like literally the impossible is becoming possible pretty much every step of the way here. It's just been amazing been incredible so when you started talking and talking about putting needles through bodies i had this like oh i don't i don't want that but then of course i've had i've had surgery and i didn't want that either but pretty amazing what we can do and i love that you said the combining of eastern and western Mm -hmm. and i walk because of physical therapist so yes, I went to this physical therapist. He had a bedside manner that made me believe him that I was willing to go through some pain and discomfort exercises and most importantly, be doing them on my own. That's and awesome. so by changing how I moved and how I moved those muscles, which was just like contractions of those muscles at first, not pregnancy contractions, but just, mm-hmm. you know, flexing those muscles, moving those is why I can walk today. And I have a degenerative SI joint. And so I'm a big fan of not just going to a doctor, but finding out what you can be doing at home. And I found it's been interesting to see more and more of that in at least the doctors I've been working with that are Mm -hmm. giving you more homework and Mm -hmm. lifestyle because really we get in a bad place because our lifestyles are slowly killing us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think that's a really, really great point that you made because um, ultimately anything and everything that we're doing in life, like that, that's like our responsibility. Like we are responsible for our health. We are responsible for when things go. Um, I mean, not necessarily like if, if you've got some kind of like a situation with car accident or whatever, you're not responsible or maybe you are, maybe you aren't, but like, if somebody comes up and breaks your leg and runs off kind of a thing, like you are not responsible for that person breaking your leg, but you are responsible for taking care of that bone that needs to be set or it needs it's to your be your body. Yes. 
exactly. it's your body. And of course we hear in society all the time, you know, it's my body, it's my choice, but you don't get to choose what the consequences of those things are. A yeah. wise person chooses the consequence and weighs that with the decision. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like in the moment I want brownies uh-huh. 20 uh-huh. times a day. If I could just have a diet of chocolate, totally <laughs> fine. Yes. Right. Yeah. But But I have little benchmarks that allow me to have chocolate, both, you know, just accomplishments. And if I do a certain task in my work to working out, then I get to eat more chocolate. So it keeps me like at this even level of weight (laughs) (laughs) because I'm really good at rewarding myself. Right. But if we are aware of, okay, if I chose to eat less chocolate, less milk, which these are things that are non-negotiable in the happiness of my life, (laughs) then I could you know, be choosing to have less weight. Right. And yeah. in, in addition with moving, but I, I think it's interesting how people will be like, I get to do what I want. And I'm like, yeah, you totally do. It's your body. It's your life, but you don't get to choose the outcome unless you're thinking about that. Like, will this give you this outcome? Yeah. And I feel like, um, Eastern medicine is always balancing these lifestyle choices and what the outcome will be and what you need to do to get to said outcome. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and like life satisfaction is a huge deal. I'm actually, um, a recovering anorexic. Like I've been through eating disorder recovery and everything. And one of the things that has helped me more than anything is to actually give myself opportunities with my food to enjoy it and to have pleasure through that food. And Mm. you're not allowing yourself, like oftentimes the patterns that I've seen in life is the way you do one thing is often how you do everything in your life. So if you're approaching your food from a direction of like scarcity and fear and, um, and, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like not allowing yourself to have the joy and the, and the pleasure and like the privilege of eating that food. You're just like, no, 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 this is you know, for me anyway, my experience has been a lot of like, oh, well, if that tastes good, it's probably not good for me and I probably shouldn't have it. And even if they were foods that were pretty good for me, it's like, well, but like, if I can keep, you know, if I can reel things back and make sure that I'm always, you know, at a certain level of like discipline, so to speak, like in my mind, that was discipline. Um, but it, it wasn't discipline. It was torture. It was, refusing my body, the calories that I needed refusing. And then I was wondering like, wow, why do I have so much anxiety? Like, why am I so weak? Why do I have so much stress? Blah, 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 blah. There is legitimately studies that have been done that if we are depriving ourselves of calories regularly, it actually significantly increases. Even if it's a, if it's the slightest amount, I think it was like 70% in like 70% um, calories that you're getting rather than your hundred percent, like needed amount, um, that can increase significant levels of mental health, um, Mm -hmm. like anxiety, depression, um, you know, the symptoms of PTSD can skyrocket. You can have all kinds of stuff that pop up just simply because you're not getting your adequate amounts of calories. Even if it's a small percentage that you're depriving yourself, your body actually knows that that's what's going on. And it, it really does affect us mentally. It affects our energy levels. You know, it affects our stress levels. Eating food is a very grounding and calming experience. Usually, I mean, like, you know, everybody's got their triggers and things like that. But 
for the most part, eating is a very grounding and calming experience. It's giving your body endorphins. It's giving your you know, systems, the, the nourishment and things that it needs. And if you're not, you're not accessing that, accessing that at the times that you're needing to, um, you, you're feeling it on more levels than just physically. It shows up in everything. And you're actually like, if your habits are like that with food, most likely it's like that in other areas of your life. So you can see that show up in your relationships. You can see that show up in your, in your work. You know, you can see that show up if you've got a business, you, you, anything you're creating, anything you're developing, um, you can see that show up and you can see that affect those areas of your life too. Um, so it's been this so like, you, um, I'm like all excited cause you threw out so many nuggets there. <laughs> so here I've joked that I have a very large woman trying to eat her way out because I love everything about eating. I love chewing the food. I love the sensation of swallowing the food. I love the taste of food. Like I just love to eat. And so here I'd never really thought about because my experience, right? We see the world from our perspective. I had never really thought about how an anorexic has all, I knew they had the shame and the guilt around the food concerned about the outcome of getting heavier and had believed that they were heavy, right? Mm -hmm. Even though they weren't, even though the yep. evidence is opposite, yes. but it had never occurred to me that they did not enjoy eating. Like I have a hard time imagining, like somebody posted on Facebook a while ago, they didn't like eating. And I literally was like, how is that a thing? Like, you know, there's, there's this one person out of my 5,000 Facebook friends that doesn't like to eat. And I'm shocked, but they were just stating it in a way that I could hear. And now, now I know two people who didn't like to eat and that's, that's profound, but yes, I totally believe that what we do in one way shows up in everything. I always say, it's little things you do that make or break you. That's true with your life or with skincare. Now, you also made me think about um, Jim Carrey put out a quote, and I'm not having it exactly, but the quote was that um, if you're not getting enough sleep, getting enough food and enough exercise, you're not even giving your mental health a chance. And this is somebody that I think has been pretty open about the fact that he struggled with mental health. And so obviously, if you can struggle with something and then find something that's helping you that lets you be a good teacher on that subject. Absolutely. Like those basics are the building block of life. Like every single thing that we do in life is based off of the energy that we gain from those particular actions. Um, like if we're not sleeping and we're not eating and we're not doing just those simple, simple things, like we really cannot expect our systems to be working properly. It's just like anything else. If you're not giving a car gas, you cannot expect it to run after a certain point. It will exhaust its resources and it will be done, you know, and, and there's nothing like judgmental or wrong or bad about that. It's just simply the structure and the function of that particular, you know, vehicle or that particular item or whatever. And the human. I love how you. Yeah. Sorry. I got excited. Um, I love how you are removing shame when you talk about these things, yeah. you know, that it's not your fault if somebody hits you, uh, you know, breaks your leg, but you still have to take responsibility. I talk about that and love me too, that it's not your fault. The abuse happened, but it's your body. You've got to fix it. I love how you're focusing in on this idea of how we are using shame to make us sicker and sadder. 
and making sure we're really clear on the place of shame, which is really nowhere. Right. Because we do put so much shame around, Oh, I'm not working out enough. And something that motivated me, motivated me to work out was my physical therapist told me if I kept going at the pace I was going, I'd be in worse shape than my mom at her age. And my mother has um, illnesses that are not her fault. My, my grandmother tried to abort her and she has some um, issues, you know, that from that. So she has MS, osteoporosis, Parkinson's, dystonia, which is like Parkinson's. And uh, yeah, a lot of neurological things going on, but that really hit me. It was like, oh, my consequence of not taking better care of myself and working too hard. Mm-hmm. I was celebrating like the addiction of work, right? Yeah. And running my machine out of gas. And so instead of being feeling guilty about working out, being like, I'm giving myself a gift, my older self a gift. And that was a complete shift for me. It went from, oh, look at all these people in the gym to I don't want to be in a rest home if I can help it. Well, and in relation to the Chinese medicine stuff, the perspective with that medicine in relation to what you're talking about is your reason behind things and the energy with which you make those decisions in life absolutely affects everything that you do. So you can be, and it's the same thing with like, even just generalized anxiety, your body is having a, a, a biological response to the stress or whatever. But in reality, that stress is the exact same stress, as far as I know, is the exact same stress as excitement. So you can be having these negative thoughts that are churning in your head that are, you know, damaging your spleen because spleen has to do with worry and da, 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 you know, and, or you could be thinking about the excitement of like, why am I so excited right now? Rather than stress, you literally can do this little mini mental switch in your brain and it will completely change how that stress affects your body. When you change it to some form of joy, joy is the emotion that is associated with the heart. And joy is like, it's like healing for everything. Laughter truly is the best medicine. Laughter is the sound of the heart organ. Um, Wow. Okay. Again, you're putting down so many awesome stuff. We have to like dive into this for a second. So the spleen, which people talk about is not necessarily, you know, it's just a filter. So we're, our filter is getting slowed down from a body chemistry sense with that anxiety. I think most people, I have a joke that says, if you don't have anxiety, you've not been paying attention because (laughs) I find it so sad when I hear people say, well, I can't because I have anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I got diagnosed with PTSD when I was 36. And I said, I probably had it since I was eight. And I'm like, I am so glad that nobody told me that because the message would have been like, well, you can't do this because. Right. Right. And so that by the time I found out why I jumped at noises, why there were, you know, what I now know is a cortisol rush, why these different things were happening to me. I just assumed everybody else was having them at the same level that I was. So it gave me more empathy. Right. Mm -hmm. And I also was never given the message that I couldn't do something. And so when I found out, I'm like, well, look at all the awesome I've done. So it's really not going to impact me. So I love. They were saying, all you have to do is switch that to 
excitement. I want to dig in on that because this is something I haven't heard before. And I think it'd be really useful because I think everybody has some level of anxiety. Mm-hmm. So can we dive into what that means that that switch and how you do that? Yeah, totally. I mean, for example, um, something that, and this, it's funny, this was a technique that was actually taught to me from my very, very, one of my best, best buddies. Um, she has been through so much. I mean, she has had, um, I guess I'm not sure how much I should share, but like she's had some really serious life experience stuff that it just like, and a lot of those life experiences. And so like when she talks about the mental game and how to get a handle on it, I listen because she has just done incredible things with her life, with her family's lives, with just, it. she is my hero. Like she's my guru, man. Like she is so cool. And um, I was having this experience. Um, I was going through a very particular situation and I was so just anxious, so depressed. So, I mean, chemically, I was really in a bad state in addition to all the other things too, but I was experiencing this stuff in my head. That was the primary issue of what was going on. And it was like, I couldn't function because I was in a PTSD response. I was just in this constant loop of cortisol and stress and fear and like, you know, I need to, what's going to happen. Yeah. 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 Like I just was in this space where I was struggling to move forward in any areas of my life, even in the most simple things. And I was talking to her on the phone about it. And I was just, I was having a lot of shame. I was just expressing what was going on. And the fact that I could express that to her and that she could give this solution. That's so simple. She's like, Lindsay, tell me one thing. She's like, you're feeling this anxiety. Yes. Like, totally understand. It's totally okay. It's there. Let's do something with it. Let's do something with this. And so I'm like, okay. I mean, like, I don't even know if I can because my brain is and she's like, let's do something with this. Okay. Okay. What do we do? And she's like, tell me one thing you're really excited about. I'm like, I'm not excited about anything. I'm sad. And she's like, no, 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 no. I want you to look around the room and see if you can find one thing that, that has some little spark of light to it in your life. And I looked so she was giving you a different bone to chew on. Yeah. Yeah. And I looked down on the ground and I saw my red patent leather flats. They were the nicest shoes that I owned at the time. And they were given to me as a gift when I graduated high school and I still had them. It had been like six or seven years later or something. And, and I was just like, every little thing that you can come up with in your environment, just, just do that right now. And it, it, so what I have seen since that point, how I've kind of dissected it is it brought me in the moment right then and there. It took me out of jumping into the future or living in the past. It was right in that moment that I was living. And that is one of the keys to feeling better in any case, in any situation, what's going on in that moment right here, right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was, and she just continued to help me build on that red shoes. And I like that my walls are white rather than gray. And I like my, I liked breakfast this morning. And like, yeah, you liked breakfast, the anorexic recovering anorexic, like breakfast. And I hadn't even been diagnosed at that point. Right. Yeah. I was like, yes, yes. Any little things. And actually when I, when I do feel stressed about my food stuff, that is one of the ways that helps enormously is to just like, Hey, 
okay, like maybe I don't feel like eating right this second, but like in five minutes, I probably will. Like, and I hold space for that for myself. Mm. So I, I like that a lot. It's like turmoil spin. So instead of building onto the shame of, but I should be eating because I should be doing this and just be like, but those, because feelings change. Yep. I think it's so funny when you're like, you're talking to a teenager and they're the fatalistic of it's always going to be this way. And so I have a joke about how Romeo and Julie ended up, you know, just following their feelings and they both ended up being dead at the end, right? Yeah. Or not listening to their parents, right? Little jokes like that. But <laughs> our brain chemistry as a teenager is literally this moment exists forever. Mm. And the power of recognizing that our feelings are literally just a chemical response to our environment mm-hmm. and that we can change what we're focusing on is what you're focusing here and switching it to gratitude. Mm-hmm. We can change a negative feeling to a positive feeling. And it seems so simple that it doesn't seem like it should work, but you and I are a testament that it does and negative feelings still come, Mm -hmm. but it's what you choose to feed your emotions, what you choose to feed your brain. And it's so powerful. Absolutely. Well, and in relation to like the balance of the organs in the body, considering Chinese medicine, um, a lot of the symptoms of anxiety, depression, PTSD, the like heaviness in the body where you just, I feel like I don't want to move. And I feel like my brain is so slow. And, you know, all of these symptoms are actually symptoms in Chinese medicine, you know, that, that belief system in Chinese medicine, these are symptoms of over worry. And if you can change your thoughts, literally, it sounds so simple, but if you can change your thoughts, just even something that is not worry, joy tends to be something that really gives back. Laughter tends to be something that we get a lot of endorphins from. So that is a really, really, really awesome switch. But even at the simplest level, even just choosing not to worry and to go into a different emotion or something else and, and fear, you know, fear is the emotion of the kidneys. So anything that is not those emotions will help you. And as you build those bricks of, you know, those little joy bricks, okay, I'm not going to worry. I'm just going to like be grateful, or I'm going to think about something that I love for no reason. It doesn't have to be what everybody else would say that you should love. It doesn't have to be um, anything that society would deem as valuable. Like it's just something that you like for whatever reason that you like it. Like I really enjoy, you know, painting my toenails or I really enjoy um, looking at a flower, like it doesn't have to be anything special. It just has to be special to you because your system is the one reacting to it. So just a little tiny switch in that way changes everything. And it becomes a habit when we choose this, you know, like when, uh, you want to reinforce a new behavior in a toddler, Mm -hmm. if they're two years old, you need to help remind them. So let's say, you know, we're cleaning our cleaning a room, right? Mm-hmm. And oh, isn't this fun that we're cleaning this room? Isn't this exciting that we're doing? Don't you love that you're in control of your space? Mm-hmm. And you're making comments like that, you know, at least every two minutes while they're doing the task. So, you know, we want them to have the same attention span that we do. Mm-hmm. But you know, so I technically by this rule should have 47 minutes of attention span. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I heard that from some kind of parenting class. And so whatever behavior you want, you reinforce. So my kids, I'd be like, I love how you were playing together so nicely. I love how you chose to share right there. I love this kindness that is happening, right? I mean, I'm not giving incredibly specifics, but it's basically the same exercise that you're taking your brain that might be in a toddler state, might be in a teenage state. And you're saying, no, we are going to do this more positive emotion. That's going to get your body to go, oh, okay. What does that feel like? Mm-hmm. And open it up a little bit. And I love how each organ I've heard this before. Somebody told me one time that the hip is where your decisions are. Is that Chinese medicine? Um, it, it could be, it might be a part that I just haven't learned about yet, but yeah, well, I, I, they said that the reason I had hip problems, I have one hip is because I couldn't make decisions. I'm like, I can tell you right now, that is not the problem. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, no, I made a decision to get pregnant 10 times. And that is why I have hip problems. (laughs) Uh, but, uh, I love, I, um, I have a history of BDB or, um, Epstein bar. Mm -hmm. and the spleen and when you said that about the spleen I was like yeah yeah Mm -hmm. that there is a lot of anxiety and being sick and being down and when I started believing to my core that I was meant to get better than the doctor said I could Mm -hmm. I literally was bucking the trend because I believe from a spiritual standpoint that God had made me for a purpose And repeating that, even if I was brainwashing myself, Mm -hmm. I've had doctors over the years that didn't believe I was physically active as I was because it was impossible. Again, not melding the Eastern to the Western, but it's been interesting to see how it catches up Mm -hmm. and that the science has caught up with this idea that what you think, what, this is crazy. But the Bible said, as a man thinketh, or I like to say, as a chicky babe thinketh, so is she. Yeah. What? What? Right? We're chicky babes. Yes. I yeah. Not that. all of us can be Lindsay freaking Ellers, but we can with our own name. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Chicky babe. I love that. But yeah. it goes back to the victim. The shame and victim are. I, I I see that these energies, these emotions, as like sickeningly tangled together. Right. That if you're a victim, you still haven't figured out where responsibility lies. And that doesn't mean that that, you know, like as a child, if you're being molested, of course, you don't have that all ironed out. Mm -hmm. But as you release yourself from the mindset of being a victim, you are no longer blaming them for responsibility. You're figuring out your own level of responsibility. They're responsible for what happened. But now you are saying no. I do not accept the result of this in my life. And we, it's almost like we celebrate victimhood in our society today. And it, it sickens me. It hurts my heart because I used to be that way. Mm -hmm. I used to think that way. I used to think I was ruined, damaged beyond repair. Mm -hmm. And to simply start to think of myself as, you know, for me, it was being a daughter of God. Mm-hmm. and a valued daughter and worthy of good things. And I started rejecting all of those messages. And that's the same process you went through with your anorexia and obviously other challenges you've had in your life. Cause you just kind of 
hinted and I know some things, but I'll let you out you, right? <laughs> you know, we get to share what we share on podcasts or not. Um, that this process, when I hear somebody being like, everyone else is responsible, I'm like, what is it like in your head? It must be such a sad, hard place. And how do we shift that? Mm-hmm. The red shoe, the white walls versus the gray walls. I like cats. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do like cats. By the and way. sometimes when I'm sad, I go and grab my cat and I'm like, Ooh. we are being loved right now. And even the cat's like, meow, meow. <laughs> I'm like, too bad. You are a comfort animal to me. <laughs> this is your job. I love you. <laughs> You're a therapy animal to me. I have three of them. <laughs> yes. Well, they they do. They have, I have found that animals, I mean, and there's so much science that's on this too, but animals have such a special capacity, such a special capacity. Honestly, like for me, I feel like um, animals are like the closest reflection to God that I've, that I've seen on, on planet earth in physical form, you know? Like, I feel like I have this relationship with God and with Jesus Christ. And they like, that does so much for me, but humans are only so, you know, like they're only so godly sometimes. And that's okay. Like, that's how all of us are. We're all learning, we're all growing, we're all developing, but there's just something so special about that relationship with animals, especially if you don't have allergies or whatever, like, (laughs) Yeah. If you're sick around them, it's not as special. Um, I feel like when we come as little human babies and, you know, the, the look that you're the child, you know, is looking around and I would be like, are they seeing God? Are they seeing angels? And of course they say, Oh, they're just being captivated by light. No, I like my version better Mm -hmm. that, that they are seeing things that are, and that's just the simplicity of it. Animals have that simplicity you know people that are mentally handicapped maintain that simplicity that we had as as infants and we become a reflection like when you see an angry dog i'm like somebody was mean to that dog mm-hmm. somebody abused that dog and i kind of like the idea of when you see somebody that's hurting i call them grumpy bears mm-hmm. right because you know one is kind of cute but also it's reminding me that they are simply a reflection of their experience Mm, I love that. And they have not yet become someone who's aware because animals operate off of instinct, mm-hmm. right? So you, you pet a cat, it rubs against you in that way, right? But we as humans have the ability to intellectualize and analyze mm-hmm. that animals and those with special needs, that's why we protect them. Mm-hmm. And that's why when an animal or someone with special needs is unkind you realize that somebody hurt them but haven't we all been hurt Mm -hmm. but if we have true mental capacity then we should be able to start saying no i choose to focus on gratitude like you were teaching us another way of doing that Mm -hmm. a new exercise of just in that moment just find some find something now almost in an excitement energy Mm -hmm. right and an urgency putting it to and our brains love urgency so i love that just like right now in this moment stop stop the cycle. What do you, what can you focus on that shifts the brain chemistry happening right now? Absolutely. And if I hit my cat, which I would never do, the two of them are cuddled right over here. Mm-hmm. They love me. I see them. I love them. They are going to instinctually respond to that. Right. But I have the ability if somebody hits me to do what the Bible says and turn the other cheek or to say that was uncalled for. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and I want to I want to touch back on that concept of the victim. Um, I know that like, I mean, because like what we were saying earlier, you know, somebody walks up and breaks your leg like you did not make that person do that thing. And that can go into so many other, you know, realms. And even if you were in a fight with them, that is untoward response on their part. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so here's something that I've been learning in, in my own processing of stuff, you know, in my own healing from different scenarios that I've been an actual victim in those scenarios. <clears throat> and we all have those things. Like we're all learning these lessons on one in one way or another. Right. But something that's amazing is realizing that um, some of the reasons why well, some of the reasons, okay, here, I'll speak from my perspective here. Some of the reasons why I felt the need to stay in those victim spaces of like, oh, woe is me. And like, oh, don't hurt me. And like, everyone see my wounds now, because if you see them now, you won't hurt me or try to harm me or whatever, because people wouldn't see that and try to hurt. But there are actually people that do see that. They're like, ah, I prey on people exactly like that. Was sad. Yeah. But realizing that bearing your scars for the world to see is this like, oh, this means be nice to me. This means it was for me, it was almost a form of like control. It was almost like trying to control things that I can't actually control. Oh, well, maybe if I show other people that I'm a victim and I'm hurt and that I'm wounded and stuff, I will be um, protected by doing that. So I gain a form of power in some like kind of thick little way, you know, that and and that's okay like that's okay that that happened um but i gained this form of little small amounts of power thinking that okay yeah for the general public this will probably deflect a lot of like being meanness or unkind you know comments or or whatever um but for the small percentage of people that exist out there that they see things like that and it it charges them you know it like oh this would be a perfect person to manipulate, or this would be a perfect person to this, that, and that, you know, like this would be a perfect person to, um, to groom, to see if I can use in my cult or, or whatever. Like this is something. That's that, an interesting example, you know, to use in my cult or yes, to be, yes. um, you know, pedophile to, you know, they talk about children that have been hurt in one way, abused in one way, are ready victims. And then, you know, poly abuse or something, I think is the word. Right. But if that's true with children, that's true. You know, I've talked to many women who are like, I keep picking the wrong guy. And I'm like, well, stop picking a guy and work on you before you pick one. Yes. Because by doing that, putting that energy out, you are sending a signal to the individuals, most likely the ones that you don't actually want. It's like the, it goes back to the like, if you're ruminating on something, you're probably going to be more likely to create it actually. So switch your thoughts to what you really want to create rather than trying to, okay, I'm going to protect myself by preventing this horrible situation and that terrible thing and this really, really bad scenario and blah, blah, blah. Like you're, you're creating an energy, so to speak, that becomes magnetic to those situations. Right, All right. Of All of this us. is beyond manifesting. Yep. This is beyond manifesting what you're talking about here because you fall in line with the belief of Mm -hmm. what will happen. And I want to do a little bit of a therapy here. I'll take advantage of of your brain that I had a situation. Well, when my daughter died, 
there were family members that treated us really wrong. Mm. And I won't, I won't say on the podcast what happened exactly. Right. And I lived with a shock for so long. And I still have that of how could people who say they love you treat you this way, lie, belittle, yell, minimize all these different kinds of things. And then I realized that I was handling it completely wrong because I was saying to them, when you did this, it hurt me, right? So empowering statements, I felt this way, right? Mm -hmm. Like all those things. Mm -hmm. And then the bigger shock, the bigger like, (sighs) was that they didn't care. Because if they had cared about how I felt, they wouldn't have, they would not have said the things they said around my dead child. They would not have done the things that they did, Mm -hmm. but I was assuming that they cared for me. Like I cared for them. And I, it was, took me a decade to realize that because I would protect them. Right. Right. And it's, it's very interesting that as I realized that, that I actually got to be healthier. Mm. Like physically, like I've had undiagnosed sleep apnea. And as I was getting my oxygen better, it was like all these awarenesses were coming up. Mm. And it was like, wow, we really do layer these things. I had some colon issues. And, you know, they talk about how there's those neurotransmitters in your colon Mm -hmm. and they were getting worse and worse and worse over time. And yes, there was a medical reason because I had a hysterectomy that my colon got an adhesion and blah, blah, blah. But the levels of healing of realizing that we put on other people, what we assume they feel. Mm -hmm. And we need to realize that a lot of times when we are in conflict with somebody, they have not invested the same level of emotion that you are. That's fair. Right. And so we, that ruminating that you're talking on, I was ruminating what I thought was positive because I was ruminating that I know they love me. Well, I know they care. Mm -hmm. I know, but I wasn't seeing the actions. Right. And it took, you know, 10 years to realize that. And so I'm being vulnerable there. You've been very vulnerable (laughs) throwing out something about a cult there. I kind of don't know if I'm allowed to dig into that one, but, um, that we all have situations that we are all always learning, no matter what expertise you have in your life, no matter what degree you have. I was just talking to someone recently. She's like, I'm an empowered woman. I'm a strong, empowered woman. And this, she is, she has overcome and done amazing things in her life. And someone she cared about hit her. Well, because I haven't shared her name, I can say her husband Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that she cowered in that moment and she was beating up on herself. So the shame. Mm-hmm. Right. And we, we all get in places where we go, I can't do this and that's okay. Yep. And that we have to shift the story and we have to shift what we're focusing on and be willing to be vulnerable, you know, mm-hmm. not being married or not being with these people who we love or not having them in our life. Right. So what is Chinese face, um, Chinese face, um, Chinese medicine. So (laughs) what does Chinese medicine say about forgiveness? Because I think what we're talking about a lot of times people confuse 
forgiveness with hanging out with each other. Mm-hmm. So I'd be interested of what Chinese medicine teaches us about what organs, the forgiving organ, I need to go exercise it. You know, this is a really fantastic question and I don't actually have an answer to it, but I am really wanting to go research it now. Um, Cause I don't know, but I guess my own perspective and my own life, you know, accumulation of stuff has been forgiveness is it's amazing and it's incredible. And I'm actually working through a bunch of it right now. I've had some recent situations where I've really needed to tap into that. It is freedom. You know, it is the opportunity and the privilege. It's not saying that what this person or what the situation or, or this scenario, what happened was okay. It's not saying that at all. It's saying this is, this is an energy that is so not what I am and so not who I intend to be that I'm disconnecting from it. This is cutting off these behaviors and situations and whatever and creating these boundaries saying, I no longer accept this. I no longer choose to receive this. And the the tricky thing is sometimes we're in situations where we have to, like we are submitted to daily forms of whatever it is, these offenses or whatever. Um, and then there's other times where we can actually get away. You know, sometimes it's a, it's, it's a situation where we, you know, maybe we're a caretaker of someone who maybe has some kind of mental something going on and we can't get away from that. They need, they need the caretaking, you know, maybe it's a child, maybe it's a family member who um, is older and getting dementia or, you know, something like that. Sometimes we can't disconnect from that but we can continue to feed ourselves, take care of ourselves, you know, mentally, spiritually, all the things um, and to release that. And how important awareness of our real situation is living in the present, right? Um, Being aware that this situation is not ideal is not okay. Mm -hmm. And making sure that we are doing, and I always get frustrated and I have a whole speech about this, but how people be like, do self care and take a bubble bath. (laughs) And I'm like, if all your problems could be solved by a bubble bath, you're living a pretty posh life, (laughs) right? Right. Um, That self-care is often very difficult Mm -hmm. and hard and dirty, right? It is, wow, this is my part. This is their part. It's all this brain work. It's using all these parts of the brain that we don't even really um, are aware of what they do, but they all play into each other of changing and focusing on something better. And we have the power to do that as not instinctual animals. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think it's a really, really good point that you're making about the self-care because some of the most important self-care is going to be the, no, I need to go home and sleep rather than party with everybody until 4am. Or I need to make sure that I go to this doctor's appointment even though I'm scared because it's the best thing for me to do or, you know, whatever. Sometimes self-care is like the lamest seeming option that you have in life. It's like being a mature person sometimes and not cool. (laughs) And sometimes it's not about us. Mm -hmm. Um, The ultimate challenge I put forward in my speech about self-care is service. You know, there's elementary level and on up to 
literally self-care and learning to do something for someone else mm-hmm. without expecting in return, just getting that endorphin, that, that spiritual connection that we have the ability to affect our environment and therefore can affect someone else's environment that every single modality, every single religion teaches us is the form to happiness. Mm-hmm. Right. And to be involved in some form of forgetting about you. Yes. Absolutely. They label it self-care. Yeah. But really we have to impact as humans in order to feel significant. And at our base core, we all need significance. Mm-hmm. So how do we go about that is a big human challenge. Absolutely. Well, and it's interesting too, because in Chinese medicine, we talk a lot about um taking like they say you have a certain amount of life force that you're born with and you like the best way to like health and happiness and all of the things fulfillment satisfaction is to actually be using that life force in exchange for it's almost like experience and wisdom and um like fulfillment force and as you do that you find that you stay in the best form of balance, relatively speaking, nobody's ever always in balance. You know, that's, that's, that's a myth. That's an yeah. 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 But to be able to, to use that life force and use what you have inside of you, use those years, however many you have to, to go forth and to do work that is satisfying and to create, you know, love and prosperity and joy and union with people that you love and with, with the earth family, um, it, it creates a completely different set of results than if you are to say, like, even if you are so sick that all you can do is be in a bed and, and maybe you can't even speak, but you can be pleasant. Yes. And you can also use your ability to, to, um, to convey energy to others. Right. I mean, I've been bedridden. I've been that sick before. And in my mind, I'm like, I have one job, one job. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do that job well. And the irony is that when you're in the hospital, people, I have had nurses fight over who gets to take care of me. I love it. Because I do my one job really well. (laughs) Right. I love Man, I, we could talk forever, Lindsay, and we'll definitely, we'll have to talk about having you on again um, because we didn't even get into some of the juicy stories that you teased me with, but um, this, this, that we, no matter what our circumstances, if I could take away one thing from what you shared with us today, the awareness that we all have difficulty, that we are not a victim because we were having hard times, but that we have the ability, as you were just saying, to use our energy, to use our force, to use our lifetime to be a force for good is such a beautiful message. So before we, um, we close, and I know a lot of the listeners are like, no, no, I want more of this juicy conversation. I want to ask you uh, first, thank you, Lindsay, for um, consenting to be a guest. I know that you are in the process of moving to the California area and um, I've connected with some friends and hopefully we'll be able to find you housing for your program. And I'm excited for you to become a doctor and not to poke needles through things, but to, um, take the heart that you have and impact others with the knowledge that you are gaining and that you have spent your lifetime getting to this moment. So it's a very exciting time for you. So 
Thank you for being on this episode of Share Your Hotness. And so before we leave, I'd like to ask you, what is your fuel that what gives you, lights you up for your day? I feel like you've said that, but let's put it succinctly, right? (laughs) Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. This has been a lot of fun, really, really enjoyable. And it's, it's always, it's always a good opportunity to just share the things that I've learned and, and in hopes that maybe somebody can gain from it. And I feel like I've learned so much from you in this process too. So I would totally love to jump back on. We are enhanced. We are enhanced when, uh, when, when two hearts are together. And if we just keep having conversations, the world changes, right? Absolutely. And if we just have these kinds of conversations every day Mm -hmm. and we do them and connecting with other people, we, we can change hearts from being broken to thriving. I agree. I agree. So is that your fuel um, connecting with others in in relation? It it is, it is part of it. Definitely. It's part of it, but I, I think my fuel has had a lot to do with, um, I have, I have a really, really close relationship to, um, to God, to, to my understanding of what God is. And I feel like, I feel like God has better ideas than I do a lot of times. I feel like we work together. You know, I feel like, okay, hey, I've got this idea. And I feel like God is like, "Mm, good. Yeah. Okay. Let's build on this like this or like, okay. Like I see where you're coming from, but so the fuel, the fuel is that daily habit. Yeah. That like, is is honestly a love of God. Like it's a love for my creator. It's a love for that, that force that makes the grass grow and the sun rise and seeing the power that's behind that in my life. Um, it truly like, that's what keeps me going. That's what builds me. That's what excites me. That's what, you know, inspires me to go beyond my understanding of my bounds as a human. Um, and I, I hope to be like what I understand God is, you know, I hope to create myself every day more and more like that being, you know, um, I love it. So I feel like you've answered this so beautifully of what your oxygen is that others may not see, but as a part of everything that you've become, what's that oxygen? I think it's, I mean, it's, it's love, you know, it's love of God. It's love of my daughter, love of myself, love of humanity. Like, I think it's love. Yeah, I love that. I, I love I love that you love. <laughs> so um, and what is your heat, that unique signature gift that you have? I think um, I think the vulnerability piece for me is is that signature gift. Um, it gets me into a lot of really, really incredible places. It can get me into some trouble too, but (laughs) it usually gets me, you know, nine times out of 10, it gets me into a lot of places, especially in areas that have seemed impossible for a lot of other methodologies to get to. Um, I think that vulnerability piece and that willingness to be open is actually a huge, it's, it's a huge door opener. Absolutely. I completely agree with what you're, I mean, I'm like sitting here, if we, if I was Baptist, I'd be like, amen, amen. Because, uh, I, you know, God makes the weak become strong. 
Absolutely. And he makes our weak places become strong. So I really appreciate you being so open with your feelings and um, getting through all the technical difficulties of sound and all that we've had today to really stick in this conversation, opposition and all things, right? Because I know that your tips on how to shift in anxiety is going to bless someone's life. And this conversation um, is going to spark things in other people's lives. I know I've written down some notes and I loved it. So uh, thank you for being so freaking awesome, Lindsay, <laughs> and being on this episode of Share Your Hotness. Thank you so much, Lita. Such a pleasure. Lita, sorry. Lita. It's all right. I'm not sensitive about it. As long as you call me for dinner and hotness, right? <laughs> the Share Your Hotness podcast is produced by Van Garrett Media. Lita Green is the host and creator of the podcast. Chris Van Garrett is the editor, producer, and music director. Shayla Dawn is our research coordinator. Join us next week for another episode of the Share Your Hotness podcast. Thanks for listening. This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media.